Hello, and welcome to the Hadoop Podcast. I am your host, Joe Stein, head of server platforms for MediaLets, the rich media advertising and analytics platform for mobile devices. Learn more about MediaLets online at www.medialets.com. This is episode three, with our guest Flip Cromer talking about Ruby streaming, Wukong, and some new projects that he has going on in the cloud. For more information about Hadoop, please visit allthingshadoop.com. Now enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome to today's podcast, Flip Cromer from InfoChimps. Hello, all. Thanks, Flip. So, Flip, how did you get into IT, and uh, what made you start getting interested in Hadoop? Well, it's funny. I kind of circled back through. Um, so I was a CS undergrad that actually moved into computational physics. Research I was doing, uh, well, the problem wasn't ready to get solved or something, but in any case, I had switched out of that and was working on actually getting a education, getting teacher certification to, uh, to teach science. But was getting near the end of the program and used up the number of career switches year-wide, but realized that kind of, as I was teaching people that I didn't want, you know, if this was my student's last chance to learn about a quantitative way of understanding their universe, that I thought there was better things to tell them about than how to find the area of a trapezoid or solve the quadratic equation five different ways. Now, what I really wanted them to be able to do was absorb and understand and draw skeptical conclusions of rich data streams. And that was when I kind of realized, oh, okay, that's why I needed education in physics and CS, and, and this, is, this is where I want to be. So I started the InfoChimps project, um, which is kind of an attempt to build a commons and marketplace for data. Uh, if you have open data and you want to share it, you can put it up for free. And if you have commercial data and you want to sell it, uh, we market it for you and take a commission when it sells. And basically, if you're doing that, um, and kind of our niche is big data, uh, data that goes up to terabyte scale and data that goes up to billions in numerosity. And so that, you know, basically meant that uh, learning and using Hadoop was a uh, necessity in order to build this project out the way we think it should be. Right, absolutely. So what made you what made you develop Wukong and, and what is Wukong? Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. So so since I come from a physics background, my all my first usages of Wukong were very experimental. And since we deal with data that's just like arbitrary, um, it's really important to ha- be able to write quick, agile things that um, Programmer efficiency for us is much more important than program efficiency. Uh, And Hadoop streaming, uh, the performance trade-offs there are not what people think. Um, You can usually get 50 to 100% uh, of runtime with streaming than with, um, you know, a a well-tuned JavaScript. But the amount of programmer time that it takes to get you there and to maintain and modify um, full-on JavaScript is is so much higher as to wash that out. Um, And besides, you can just throw twice as many machines at it, not typically since Hadoop scales so well. So we actually, we pretty much program entirely in Ruby streaming and PID. 
so Wukong is our kind of frameworks for using Hadoop streaming with Ruby to do massive scale data processing. If you're familiar with Dumbo in the Python language, Wukong is similar to that and has this idea of um, the, it lets you be object oriented, which I don't believe any of the other streaming frameworks are. So is that the major benefit with using Wukong? If you didn't use Wukong and just used Ruby streaming is now it's object oriented and how you're managing it, or are there some other benefits as well? Well, I think if you're not using Wukong, you'll just end up rewriting its various parts is one thing. I mean, not, you know, there's, there's a lot of common patterns there. Um, so for instance, I think most people describe the MapReduce process as an arbitrary mapper that receives disordered records in a giant unpredictable pile, but each thing sees it once. And then a sort in the middle, and finally the reduce, which is guaranteed to see things in sorted order. I think it's actually quite often better to think of that middle stage as the group, and then you just think of each reducer as seeing all records for a given key. And usually that ends up leading you into this accumulator pattern, right? But if, if you're writing a streaming script, all the time you're writing this little stanza which says, uh, for each key, do a bunch of stuff. As soon as the key changes, emit the rolled up, you know, accumulated uh, um, reduced value that you just figured out from having seen all examples of that key and then start the process again for the following key. And of course, then there's the edge cases at the beginning and the end, and if there's no keys and all of this. So if you aren't using Wukong, you'll have written that, well, at least once, um, and figured out those edge cases and got them all right. But then the other thing is, yeah, is, is with Wukong, you can start with just, I mean, basically, if you want to think of your input as just long series of lines, great. Uh, it'll handle that. And if you want to think of it as a uh, long series of records with fields basically as arrays, Wukong works like that. And if you want to think of them as lightweight objects that, you know, kind of can behave as hashes or that you can decorate with methods, um, then Wukong lets you very, very easily uh, uh, and flexibly do that as well. So if someone is new to streaming in general with Hadoop, can they just jump in with Wukong and get going? And if so, how would they, how would they do that? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think that, um, well, let's say I think that everybody learning Hadoop should start with either Wukong or Dumbo. Um, that like you, you should just not even know that there's Java anywhere involved because it's much harder, we've found, to learn to think in MapReduce than it is to learn to program any given thing that you have to do. Um, Wukong abstracts all the streaming, right? There's this, you know, monstrous um, command line that you have to produce to do it. Uh, in Wukong, once you've defined your script, basically just grab one of the examples and modify it to do something slightly less stupid than it does now. Um, and then you just type the name of your script dash dash run, and then the name of an input file, and the name of an output file. Uh, and it will whip up the Hadoop command line, and basically it takes your own script, and it runs it with a certain magic parameter to do the 
you know, so you, you take your script and you run it just on your command line. It passes that same script to Hadoop, which runs it on all the machines as a mapper with a dash dash map parameter. And it runs it in all the appropriate contexts as a reducer with a dash dash reduce. And anyway, the right thing happens. Um, and you end up writing one single script that handles all three processes, runner, map, and reduce. Right. And then instead of using pig and having to even create user-defined functions in Java, you could probably do all of that in your script because you're kind of sitting there in Ruby and just create yep. a function or write a little Ruby code to do what you need to do. It sounds like it runs just like a Java jar. Just instead of the jar, you just put your, yep. you know, five minutes of work on your script. That sounds pretty interesting. Very interesting. So what are some, what are some uses, I guess, in general for Hadoop that you found and, um, you know, how, how do they apply with what you've done with Wukong? Yeah. So, so one thing I've heard people complain about is like, oh my God, you know, every single, um, you know, all you ever hear about people doing with with uh, Hadoop, you know, to learn it is uh, web analytics or the stupid word count thing, right? So in the Wukong examples, um, there we, we try to go well beyond it. Because, for instance, we actually do a lot of social network graph analysis with Hadoop. Um, and you can do really powerful stuff just using Ruby um, at like, you know, full-on industrial scale. So at InfoChimps, we've been scraping Twitter for, with, you know, with their full knowledge and, of course, with all the rules and all this for uh, since middle end of 08. And so we have a good global perspective of most of the user graph and about 1.6 billion tweets and stuff like this. And there's a lot of really strong demand for what you can learn from, you know, what's now a kind of superb, uh, lab piece of lab equipment for understanding what people talk about and how they relate. You know, that's great. Now we've got all this interesting data, but now you have to be able to do stuff at scale with a network that is 30 million nodes or 50 million nodes and uh, 1.6 billion edges. That's the follow graph. And then there's the reply graph, which is some 50 uh, million or 500 million, right, half a billion edges on that one. Um, and, you know, basically using a mixture of pig and Wukong, but anything you can do in pig, you can also do in Wukong, and the examples directory there is full of them. Um, uh, you know, we, we use it for page rank uh, on both of those graphs. We use it for, you know, basically I can take all the words that anybody's ever used. There's uh, script we use to tokenize it. There's a more or less the same thing script in the examples thing. You know, okay, fine. So that's the word count example. But you can then take that, pull off the statistics for the user, then regroup by word, and then learn things like how, uh, how good is a word at discriminating one user from another or, uh, you know, the, these other kinds of massive scale linguistic analyses. Uh, we, we do a lot of that with Wukong as well. There's a lot of things that you can turn into graph problems. So another one that works, and if not, somebody should ping me, and I'll make sure it does still. Um, there's a script in there that lets you 
for instance, take a web log. Okay, so more boring web log processing. But you can take uh, each page view and group on that and um, re-emit as user paths through your site so that you could say, what is the chain of pages that each of the visitors to my site took? Um, and there's a lot to learn from that, whether your UI people will want to know about this that goes well beyond what you know, kind of Google Analytics can report. Great. So what other projects are you working on? So I guess, uh, I guess a couple cool Hadoop-related projects. So one of them is that on our cluster, we are working on Cassandra uh, online to sit next to it. Cassandra is great because it's crazy fast. It's robustly distributed, so you know it, it is. A, it, it does partitioned replication the same way as BHDFS does. People they're building in actual Hadoop awareness, so that you can you can do a lot of uh, you can do a lot of stuff straight out of you know that basically you can make it so that your um, programs are working only with data that's next to it in the cluster. The biggest problem with distributed computing is the fact that a machine way over there has to talk to a machine right here. Part of the power of Hadoop comes from basically the that middle phase between the map and reduce. It says you may only have a machine over there talk to a machine over here in the following way, you know, basically by passing these merge sortable files around. So a lot of times, though, it's really nice to be able to pretend that all the machines are right next to each other in a, one big happy family. Um, and that's the abstraction that Cassandra offers. So as long as you're careful or don't care about the effects of being careless, you can, uh, and you can, of course, use this all perfectly nicely from within Wukong, you can use Cassandra to, uh, to let you have that global space at the same time as you're uh, using Hadoop for the, you know, where you, where you have to have that interchange done on a massive scale. So, um, so is that part of the Wukong framework, or is there another framework that's used? It, I think there's one example in there right now, and we'll move more as we've got more. Like I said, we're just bringing it online. But let me give a concrete example of how we use that. Um, uh, so, so I should say we just use the standard Cassandra interface. So anyway, no. So I mean, Wukong uh, doesn't right now do anything special because you know Cassandra. Well, we only use it for very, very simple things, which the Cassandra gem handles well. Um, the uh, but so for instance, when we do, we have all these different scrapers running to sample um, things out of Twitter. So I might see a given tweet many, many times. Like I may see it on the public stream API and then also show up in a search on this keyword and then again in a search on that keyword. So it's fine if I end up parsing it three times. I don't really mind that. What I do mind though is that like I don't want to have three copies of this thing running around. Like it's there's only one tweet, I only want one thing and you know, given that the whole data set weighs in at a terabyte anyway. Uh, I'd really not want it to get, you know, a multiple bigger. Um, so right now, the way we have to do this is we have to take that whole terabyte and turn it over and unique it. 
right? So we have to do a group on the tweet IDs and then only emit one of each. Instead, the new parser that we're bringing online, all I do is I keep, you just take Cassandra and keep the, you just use it as a stupid key value store. All I do is I just say, hey, have I seen this tweet ID before? If so, I just don't emit it. And if I haven't, well, then I say, okay, now I have seen that tweet ID, and I do emit the tweet. Um, and so basically since um, otherwise I would have to pass around the whole big, right? otherwise I'd have to pass around the whole damn tweet to group on the key and then do the unique, right? So then I have that, you know, N log N of doing those, you know, the map and then the reduce. In this way, I, you know, since it's just a matter of hashing into the global space, just the simple tiny little um, tweet ID, you can get like very much more performant, even though you have lots of nodes talking to each other. Since you've been working with Hadoop and large data sets for a while, is there any other, are there any other projects or recommendations that you have and, and some of the experience that you've had to uh, helping others with that? Yeah, so so I guess I'd want to point to one other thing, which is I've been working with uh, uh, Chad Metcalf from Cloudera and um, uh, Bradford Stevens from Drawn to Scale. Uh, I've been trying to help us um, kind of shore up and make full full screen for other people to use these recipes for doing uh, making a Hadoop cluster in the cloud using um, Chef. Uh, but basically, there's a program called Pool Party that lets you talk to the Amazon AWS API and kind of make the machines you want spring to life. And we've created an AMI that will um, that comes up with a lot of the stuff pre-installed and the ability uh, for when you pass in a JSON hash telling it what to do, it configures itself and will uh, simply join the cluster so that what, what this means is that you can have, um, uh, you know, from your command line using all the same tools, I can bring up a free machine cluster, you know, where it's just using the scratch space on disk or maybe it's processing stuff out of S3 and I'm sitting there and I'm playing around and I'm learning how to use Hadoop and it comes up and, you know, Hadoop's installed and all the paths are right and everything. Um, and I've got an NFS home directory and even Cassandra sitting there. Uh, and you're using exactly the same scripts that, like, you know, that we had InfoChimps used to control our, you know, 30 machine cluster with multiple EBS volumes attached per node um, and all this other stuff. And going forward, the ability to share further cookbooks to say, put monitoring on there or Zookeeper for coordination and so forth. Uh, so if anybody's interested in testing it, it's still pretty rough, but, um, you know, enough other people have uh, used it and broken things that, you know, I can now recommend that people start playing with it. If you look at on um, InfoChimp's GitHub, you'll find the chef scripts to do it. Great. Thanks, Flip. Is there anything else today that you'd like to talk about? I think... Uh, I guess on the provisioning front, I'm really excited just just thinking about things that are out of the world that I'm really excited about, about other people working on. Um, and I'm really excited. So Twitter has been pushing out a lot of great stuff, like their LZO 
um, support for Pig and Hadoop. That that we haven't gotten that going, but it promises like just a win all around. Your cluster gets more performant, and it uses up about uh, one third, um, you know, sixty percent as much disk space as it used to. Um, Whir is something that, um, that Tom White and Cloudera are starting up, which is going to be a bigger picture of how to provision and configure uh, Hadoop clusters in, in a way that, you know, just really takes you all the way from um, a couple machines in your office to, you know, massive clusters in either a data center or the cloud. Uh, so that that looks super cool. And then, of course, I'm really excited about uh, kind of Cassandra becoming first class as a source for Hadoop streaming and Hadoop MapReduce and all the rest. So are there any tips and tricks since you mentioned provisioning? You know, I, I think that's great from system, for system administrators um, and mm -hmm. all of us who have to manage and operate production Hadoop systems. How do you feel about uh, running jobs inside of Hadoop? Uh, you know, there are open source projects like Azkaban. I know myself at MediaLets, mm -hmm. we have our own system to handle all of the event processing and automation steps. What do you, you know, what, what do you guys use or how do you feel that may grow or where the, where the issues are? So we have started to use Azkaban, and yes, I definitely want to put that on the list of things we're really excited about, and there will be very soon recipes in the Hadoop Cluster Chef um, for basically making Azkaban appear along with the rest of the cluster. Um, so we're, yeah, we're super excited about Azkaban, because I have for a while felt like um, the biggest weakness of the whole Hadoop stack right now is that there is no good way to do uh, that kind of workflow handling. Um, so uh, the reason I can't say too much more about it is that I basically, it was other guys on my team that have set it up and used it. And so I, all I know is that it's awesome and that they were radiating joy once they got it going, but I haven't had too much experience uh, with it myself yet. Well, thanks, Flip, for taking your time and speaking with us today on the podcast. I very much appreciate it. Oh, uh, thanks so much for having me. And um, and please, uh, anybody who does download these things and use them, uh, I um, love getting packet patches, but uh, hearing how something, you know, needed to be patched but should be improved, uh, that's also pretty cool. So. Great. Thank you.